Before we get to our guest, a quick message from our sponsor. We've talked a lot about Mike Lindell's products at MyPillow.com. The quality is just amazing, and everything he makes lasts forever. He's got a new product out right now that the summertime customer will just absolutely love. We've all had the slippers, and the quality on those is amazing. People rave about them. He's got the three layers of comfort, where he's morphed that technology into the summertime sandals. They look like Crocs, but they're much more comfortable and long-lasting. Again, the proprietary three-layer technology that will give you extreme comfort in these sandals to wear around uh, for the rest of your summers, actually. So how can you get these? You can go to MyPillow.com and use promo code CDM to get the massive discounts he has on for the launch of this product. But just don't look at the sandals. Mike has over 600 products. If you're looking for household goods or apparel, don't go to the big box communist retailers that support the cabal. Support the Patriots, support cdm.press using pro, promo code CDM, and get the best discounts available at mypillow.com. And now let's get to our guest. So welcome back to American Conversations. I, I spent some time with Jason Miller, who is the CEO of Getter recently. That was your one-year anniversary party. Is that correct, Jason? And uh, we enjoyed ourselves on the top of a New York City building, and that was very fun. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. It's good to be back with you. So there has been a lot of huge news with Twitter. I was just reading today, they just appointed a judge uh, to preside over the trial who's a Democrat. Um, I'm curious as to what you think from a viability standpoint, how this uh, will impact Twitter. Obviously the business is what they represented. I'm a former bond trader, so I, I've seen this happen before with the debt spirals, you know, out of control and, and all that. And is it a viable business? And what do you think is gonna happen going forward? Well, and Todd, that's what I think really this is all about. The fact that mm -hmm. it's not so much about the bots. It's not even so much about the political discrimination that Musk found mm -hmm. when he was moving mm -hmm. towards his acquisition. It's the fact that he would literally have to quadruple the number of daily active users for it to be profitable in the way that he wanted it to. That's why we saw his comments about trying to get President Obama, trying to get Justin Bieber off the sidelines, mm -hmm. get them back engaged in the platform. But here's mm -hmm. the thing now, not only are they not going to quadruple their current number of daily active users, but they're going to uh, literally, I mean, it's basically, it's a, a pile of rubble now. There's just, there's nothing left. If anything, they're going to decrease with their user base, not increase because nobody in the center right is going to go and sign up for the first time to Twitter. I think they're in really bad shape. So from a, a I guess, capital market standpoint, how, how do you see this playing out? I mean, I know you're not a, you don't have a crystal ball, but uh, obviously to, to, to get the kind of numbers that would justify valuation that Elon initially went for, uh, to get that kind of revenue is almost impossible now. Is that correct? Yeah, and there's, and that's one of the things why Musk immediately went to trying to um, go to maybe a subscription service, try to different mm -hmm. ways to where he could go gin up money. But I think mm -hmm. that's where he was really getting at the the loggerheads and couldn't figure out how to go and break through. One of the things I'm surprised that Musk didn't go more to, especially because he's the innovator in this space. Again, not even in, in this space, but even whether it be in space, whether it be in in tunnels, whether it be electric cars, you name it, is the fact that the younger generation, the people he would need to sign up to Twitter aren't going necessarily to the timeline type format is we obviously mm -hmm. we have one with getter but Twitter Facebook and others it's much more to the short video component that's why we launched vision within the getter app it's our short video mm -hmm. competitor to Instagram reels or TikTok because the younger generation that's where they're all going and if you want to grow your platform you have to adapt with them but it doesn't look like that's what Twitter's doing 
Jason, do you think, I don't know if you followed uh, Alex Berenson's case with Twitter, but it's to me, it's very interesting because, it, you know, when he requested the, the communications documents between the government and Twitter, all of a sudden, you know, his case is settled. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, and boy, that ties in directly even with the Elon Musk Twitter feud that I do not imagine that Twitter wants to go and have a big public drag out knockdown uh, episode like this where you start getting into discovery and communications and things of that nature, especially with what we know that we've already seen inside of Twitter. I mean, the culture there is so bad. Keep in mind, they had to put blockers in place to make sure the engineers and coders couldn't mess with the platform when Musk was talking about acquiring it. So the fact that they went and caved so quickly with regard to Berenson, I think really tells you something. You know, I th do think that there needs to be a real reform of Section 230. And I think that for any social media platform, whether it's Getter, Twitter, anything else, if you want that legal immunity, then you have to treat users the same. They can't be discriminated against just because of their ideology. So I think Section 230 is important. I think if we're going to keep that digital town square, it's an essential uh, aspect of protecting the platform itself. But you can't go and have two societies where, hey, we agree with free speech, but only if you agree with us. What about this recent shutdown? Do you, was that them? Uh, there was a lot of talk that maybe they're wiping servers or whatever that it went down for an hour this morning. Any thoughts on that? I don't know. Uh, I know that that's one of the things that it's almost uh, running a, a tech company like this. It's almost like being a parent and watching the baby monitor every couple of minutes for, uh, okay, do, do I hear sounds? Do I, do I, do I hear any noises? Okay. Then, then right. that's good. But silence, you're like, uh Oh, what's, you know, what's going on? Got to go check the baby monitor. Uh, so that's something that I don't know the inner workings of Twitter, what may have caused mm -hmm. that. Uh, you certainly never uh, want to see that happen to someone, even if they're a, a marketplace competitor, uh, but I don't have any insight. Mm-hmm. What's your marketing uh, ideas? Yes. So when, when we talk about growing Getter, we've really created the all-in-one free speech platform. We have our timeline, we have vision, our short video platform, but then we also have live streaming, which is something that's really grown. And actually, I was just looking at the metrics report before I came on to join you guys. Mm -hmm. And we're making it so that Getter is a content destination point. And so content creators are able to now broadcast live over Getter. And in fact, we're up over at about 170 million views now since we launched this feature back mm -hmm. in October. And as we start introducing monetization later on the summer, winter by the latest, then content creators, we're going to make it more profitable for them to be on Getter. And once you get more content creators, that's going to bring their audiences as well. And that's that's a part of the big thing. But then also uh, we'll have a number of different uh, advertising and marketing things specifically to promote vision with the younger audiences, folks who might not be on Getter yet. And that's really going to be the main focus as we go into the, the coming months here. So that's been real successful for us. Sorry, Christine. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. We've been doing a lot of live streaming and we're getting thousands of views on these live streams. How would you suggest we integrate more into your platform? I mean, we're developing a streaming service where the getter is definitely one of our go to destinations uh, of our stream. So we've already started to see some really creative ways that people are building their own communities. And so for mm -hmm. if you look, for example, at the folks at Real America's Voice, they've mm -hmm. actually started incorporating the chats on their shows. So when they're doing their shows, you'll, they'll put the chat right there on the screen. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, 
they take more of a hands-on approach and they do their own moderating as far as the chat just because then mm -hmm. it's broadcast out and it's a little different than say um like if i was doing a live stream and people wanted to to chime in and chat but the way that people are building community and that's the thing that i learned when i helped launch the war room podcast with steve bannon back in 2019 and i, I learned from steve it's all about building community it's that constant interaction both on the platform but then off the platform whether it be events meetups different activities that you do one of the cool features that we have coming and our uh, lead engineer sat down with me yesterday to show this i'm really excited about it but we're going to have a meetup feature where not only will you be able to look and see what getter users are again obviously if you turn it on this feature on mm -hmm. are within a quarter mile half mile full mile 10 miles but then also when you think of the uh, the e-commerce aspect of it then which businesses in the area are offering discounts to get wow. our users. And so that ability to go and connect and interact with people, we're really making it this, this free speech ecosystem, freedom loving, more of a libertarian mindset of allow people to control their own free speech ability. And we're putting it in one place where there's no political discrimination and nobody gets certain advantages over others. So I, I, have, I, I go back to the marketing because I think that's so essential for social media. What are your demographics and what has changed since you guys first went online? Yeah, great question. So on the demographics, the age range right now, uh, let me back up, the age range up until about uh, about a month or so back, ranged from about 45 in the UK to about 50 in the US. And that which that goes along with the what we're seeing with, say, Facebook, Twitter, other platforms like that. But as we're now adding in vision and starting to grow that audience, and we just open it up to all users now. So anyone who's on the platform uh, can use vision, create the short video format, that's going to bring down the average age much lower. Um, we're currently 50% in the U.S. or technically 51%, 49% around the rest of the world with Brazil being 15%, the U.K. being about 8%, Germany at about... Wow six or seven and then france is about four or five and so that's really where we've seen the growth president bolsonaro uh from brazil is on our platform so we've seen some really good growth in brazil um and so it's, we're going to continue growing both domestically and internationally and i think that's something that sets us apart from a number of the, number of the other challenger platforms is that we have the the very unique cool tech features but then we're also scaling at a global level one of the things I want to make sure when we first launch is that this was not just an American echo chamber. You can't scale when you're just an American echo chamber. And that's something that we've been successful at avoiding. So we have a lot of global conversations as well as our American conversations because, and part of it is, is editorially how we're looking at something like COVID. It's not just an American pandemic, it's a global pandemic. And the questions and the answers to it need to be compared. And there's a lot of conversations with foreign politicians that we're having. What? How is it that in, in some countries you're picking up um, audiences, but let's say, I mean, where, where are you, for instance, in Australia and in India, Kenya, South Africa? Yeah, great question. So we've seen part of it is just it's a bandwidth. It's just the, the ability to go and communicate some countries. Uh, it also depends how mature is the political opposition. And so I'll give mm -hmm. you, for example, obviously in the United States is a very clear two-party system. You have a, an ecosystem that's already been created for center and center-right platforms in communications, maybe not necessarily social media, but uh, even look, for example, uh, Todd, the Ear Show, the fact that this mm -hmm. is uh, an ecosystem that's built and that are used to it. But let's say just to our north in Canada, 
you, I don't think it's truly a two-party system. You kind of have one big party and on occasion, mm -hmm. other folks might get lucky, but you don't have necessarily that built-in center-right other than say the, the allies at Rebel News. There's not that center-right ecosystem that's built to go and provide competition. Um, in the UK, for example, part of the energy that we've seen are from the, the levers, uh, from the, the folks mm -hmm. who obviously were in support of Brexit. Uh, in Brazil, we've seen a lot of energy from people who are uh, uh, supportive of President Bolsonaro. There are a lot of people who aren't just Bolsonaro supporters, uh, but certainly there's a lot of energy there. So in certain places, you have kind of a, a mature audience that's ready uh, to jump onto something new that's, that's being discriminated against. Uh, India is a place where we've been looking to try to expand. Of course, Modi has had his issues with Twitter. Um, Twitter has effectively said that you can't be, you, uh, you can't embrace Hindu nationalism they try to essentially say that what Modi's doing is wrong. And so he's had his uh, spats. Uh, and I tell you, of all the of the potential users on the entire planet, Prime Minister Modi would be my number one target. So uh, if you're watching, if you're watching, Mr. Prime Minister, I got to get young getter. Absolutely. How have these other countries tried to stop you? For instance, Germany. I mean, they, they have laws against uh, certain things now that are quite draconian. Have you seen resistance in Europe? Yeah, so there are a couple of things here. Um, I'll take both Germany and then the EU overall. Mm -hmm. So Germany, there are certain rules and thresholds that don't kick in until you're 2 million users within mm -hmm. the country. Uh, we currently have about 400,000, I believe is about our total uh, in Germany. So some of the things we haven't yet uh, run into, but the new EU rules, the Digital Services Act that passed that is supposed to be implemented starting as soon as January, but uh, it could actually take upwards of an entire another year, year and a half, We'll go through that, but we're already taking a close look at how we need to comply. A lot of that has to do with the reporting features right. about allowing people to go and report things to the platform and then showing that you're responsive and take action with it. The concern with that is that ultimately it turns the government, the EU, into the moderators of social media platforms. If you'll indulge me for just one moment, there was a massive, huge development in the UK yesterday. The online safety bill, or the so-called online safety right. bill, that Boris Johnson, uh, I say conservative with air quotes around it, the <laughs> Boris Johnson's uh, administration or soon to be former administration came up with this uh, bill called the Online Safety Bill that would effectively put Ofcom, their version of the FCC, in charge of social media moderation. And here's the kicker. The main, where the big hangup was, was the speech that's viewed as legal but harmful. Okay, well, who's deciding if it's harmful? Right. How do you have government regulators all agree what's harmful? And I wrote an op-ed in the Daily Express yesterday that took it to the next level and said, now the BBC just reported that there are, uh, I believe, 150 recognized genders now in the UK. What happens if, say, you're a uh, Protestant or Catholic priest and you decide to live stream uh, your sermon and someone says, wait a minute, I'm from one of the other 148 genders. I'm offended by your teachings from the Bible. This is harmful to me. It, it's not that crazy to take it to that next step. I don't even think Orwell could have thought of this, but last night, the Tories pulled the bill, which is a wow. massive step. And I tell you, some of the PM candidates, uh, Kemi Badenoch, uh, for she's one. She's from Nigeria, right? I mean, she's uh, fantastic. I, I, uh, yeah. She's a, she's a, a absolutely fantastic. A, yeah. a lot of folks on the right are uh, hoping that she could be the candidate that emerges. But she's actually mm -hmm. made free speech in going after the online safety bill or the so-called online safety bill. One of her key campaign planks, uh, which is great. But the fact that this was pulled uh, it gives us uh, a chance of really uh, restoring or maintaining some aspect of sanity in the UK. So huge development in the UK yesterday.
It also will complicate things, Jason, because now that you have the trust initiative that is made up of the BBC and other news outlets, it almost seems like they are the judges. And when money has been given to them for these political and policy platforms that they're all supposed to follow, there's a real conflict of interest all over the place. I mean, that, that, that's, that's something that people have to acknowledge and realize that this is money driven and is politically driven uh, to, to new people's you know, freedom of speech. Well, it is. And it's a, in a sense, it's the worst form of peer pressure that there is. And it's, mm -hmm. well, we don't want to go and rock the boat. And so let's go and uh, adapt this crazy wokest uh, ideology. And if you're not complying with this wokest ideology, then we're going to go ahead and vote you off the digital island, so to speak. Uh, so it's a it's a real concern. And we're seeing with cancel culture everywhere the way this has grown. And that's, again, part of the reason why we launched Getter and why anyone who ever gets kicked off of Twitter or Facebook, uh, usually they can expect that I'm one of the first phone calls that they receive. About, hey, come on, come, come and join us at Getter. And so I have plenty of people who've called back and we've been able to get on the platform. I think of former LBC presenter Majid Nawaz, for example, who now hosts a show on Getter. And there are some other people like Nikki Minaj and Kyrie Irving that I've tried to get on the platform. Not yet, but I'm still trying. You know, I'll get you, Nikki and Kyrie. You know, it's just a matter of time. Um, and so uh, but the cancel culture is is just gone crazy all around the world. And I usually tell people uh, or when I'm giving speeches and such around the world, I usually apologize for wokeism and say it's America's worst ever export. Oh, it's horrendous. I thought the Kardashians were the first, you know, but, but this, this, this takes the cake. <laughs> what's, what's the future for Getter? You've told us about vision. What other features do you have coming down the pike? So the next big thing that we have coming up that should be launched later this year, probably around in the winter, will be Getter Pay. And we're going to take this to uh -huh. the next level. Not only will it be a marketplace competitor to Apple Pay, Alipay, Samsung Pay, Google Pay, there, there are a thousand pays right now. But the difference is there's not a payment platform uh, that's within a social media uh, apparatus that makes sure that there's no cancel culture discrimination. We're seeing people all the time getting kicked off of their banks, uh, being denied access to use basic business services, which is a problem. But as I, as I yeah. talked about, as we uh, work in the crypto dynamic of things and make sure the advertising dollars are then getting returned to the content creators, it's going to be so much more profitable for content creators to be on Getter. They're going to want to bring their audiences and make Getter their home. And so we have some really big plans right now. Our main competitors are Twitter and Facebook. I think over the next couple of years, uh, the obvious competitors would be TikTok and Instagram Reels as we continue to grow vision. But where I see us being in, say, five years, I think really our main competitors are going to be the Visas and Amexes of the world. And that's where we want to go with this. That's a big, that's a big, that's a large vision, Jason. Yeah. Well, you, you, you have to aim big. Look, I'm not saying I'm going to go to the moon. I'm going to leave that to Musk. I'm going to leave that to Bezos. Uh, they, they get space for now. <laughs> Jason, thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy. And, uh, yeah, thank back, you. Back interviews. So thank hey, you thank now. you both. I really appreciate it. Uh,